0: Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse number 1, we'll read these out loud together, pausing in punctuation. Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them." And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And then I'm going to read verse number 12 there. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We, we never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, just for this opportunity. Help us, Lord, as we open your word uh, would the uh, the people of God hear the word of God the way that you want it done? And I ask that you please just uh, fill me with your spirit, fill me with your power. Help us, Lord, to leave today encouraged and challenged, Lord, from your word. We love you. We're thankful for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Uh, but I, I've got to tell a joke or two just to kind of calm me down. Um, as you can tell, a long-tailed cat uh, in a room full of rocket chairs is what I feel like. Um, but, uh, of course, I'm not the preacher, assistant pastor here, been here for a little over a month now. Uh, we've actually yesterday was, was exactly a month since we've been in our house. And, uh, so I was here a couple weeks before that, same with preacher, and then off in a conference, I was everywhere. So, but, um, but it is good to be here. Good to be here. We're, we are calling this home. And, uh, the Lord is really opening doors, and we're, we're settling in. So that's a blessing. Um, and it's, it's, it's really been amazing here. Um, but I, I do want to tell you, there was a um, a preacher. He was in he was in Bible college. Preacher boy. And, uh, he was supposed to preach in front of the church. And, uh, so the, 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 seminary director said, all right, I want you to go ahead. You're going to preach in front of the church. And, uh, you know, you could just tell he was shaking. He was nervous. And, uh, he gets up to preach and he opens his Bible and he says, all right, uh, let's read. And, 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 and Adam, that was, that was added. All right. I'm just letting you know. But, uh, and Adam, uh, and God took the rib out of Adam and created Eve and he flipped the page, but he flipped too many. And she was 600 cubits wide and 400 cubits tall. <laughs> so i 'm trying not to do that this morning we 're going to stay in one passage, um, but uh anyway but uh it 's okay to be a little nervous i'm uh, I, I relying on the Lord for sure but uh, but good to have you here this morning, honestly, and I mean that I mean that for you to take your time to be here and uh, so we're going we 're going to learn some things from god 's word. I hope will be a blessing and an encouragement to you this morning um, we 're going to start there in verse number one again, Mark chapter two and verse number one. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about um, two different men, and we're going to compare two different men. One of the men would be the man that has the palsy that we read about, there, for, as, um, starting in verse number 3 is where he comes in. Uh, but we're going to talk about another man in a completely different time in history, um, a little bit more recent. And this man we're going to call his name Gary. Okay, Both of these men um, in this situation where we're going to start in the story, both of them are in a pretty bleak time in their life. Uh, We see verse number 3 there, "And And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. This palsy that it's mentioned here about this man um, was a very crippling disease. I mean, it was, it was either full or partial paralysis, and it came with shaking. There was just shaking that was involved in it. And it would either be a, um, a loss of, of nerve, a loss of feeling in, uh, in your body, in either the, the top half or the bottom half of your body. There would be a loss of feeling, or there would be just complete paralysis. You wouldn't be able to move them. You'd still have the feeling, but there would be no movement. Or it could be both. You'd have both paralysis and not be able to feel in those areas. Then this was deemed incurable. Um, they didn't have uh, the technology that we have today. But even with the technology that we have today, uh, we it's very difficult to, to fix something like this. And so this man, if you can imagine, um, it, we're brought into this part of his life where he is just hopeless. Um, he is brought into a point of despair. He has nothing going for him. Um, at that point, you, uh, they didn't have uh, Medicare or anything like that. They could get Section 8 housing or something like that. Um, you either had money and you worked for it, or you didn't have anything. And uh, so this man didn't have anything. He was a man that was, he was he was gotten a sickness of the palsy. And we don't know at what point um, that started, whether it was at birth or eventually in his life he got this palsy. But we do know, we are introduced to this man that was sick of palsy. And uh, again, hopeless a hopeless situation in life that he had. Then this man named Gary that we're going to talk about today. We're going to use the two men and compare them. This man named Gary um, that we're going to be talking about today, his parents were divorced when he was 18 months old. Um, His his father was an alcoholic and uh, his mother didn't want to put up with it anymore. and They were divorced when, when Gary was only 18 months old. Imagine the pain that uh, even as a young child, not fully understanding, 18 months old, um, the, they're, they're still they're moving around at that point, and that some things are starting to make sense. Um, but imagine not seeing daddy anymore, and that's what happened to Gary. Gary's mom soon later she she had full custody of of Gary, and uh, soon after that she remarried again. Um, but this stepdad that Gary had was a very abusive stepdad. Um, to the point of, of you know abusing him on a daily basis, and it's just um, this was the life that Gary was growing up in. Um, when Gary was, um, he was a very smart child, a very bright child. Um, when he was in middle school, uh, Duke University took a uh, they did a math test in his in his middle school, and uh, from that math test, he he passed with the highest grades in his middle school, and uh, he was given a full ride scholarship if. He finished school to go to Duke, full-ride scholarship, because of how bright he was. But also in middle school, he got around the wrong crowd. Uh, Middle school, because he was so good at math, um, he was the the guy that counted the money for the drug deals. And he was caught up into drugs. He was caught up into alcohol, trying to be in this cool crowd. Um, So eventually, he got into high school, and uh, his grades plummeted at that point. He was just surviving. And uh, not really surviving, he was dying. Um, He was living a life of sin and wickedness, and uh, just there was no end in sight. And this man, Gary, that we're going to talk about, used the man with with palsy and this man named Gary. um, They're they're both in a dire strait. They're both in some hard times where we will pick up in their life. Um, They were both physically and spiritually doomed in this life and the next. Uh, We know, and we're very clear about it here, that the Bible's very clear That without Jesus' shed blood in our life, without us asking and believing on Jesus alone for salvation, we are doomed for a devil's hell. We are doomed to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Now, that's not something that's preached nowadays. Many churches, oh, it's all good. God is good. Uh, Everything is great. It's going to be okay in your life. You're not going to have any problems. Your life is going to be a bunch of roses. And uh, But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear. Once we die, we either are going to heaven or we are going to spend eternity thrown into the lake of fire where there is eternal flame and the worm dieth not. There is eternal torment. Those are the two places. Those are the two options that we have. And by the, the beginning of this story, we see that both of these men, though different in time, both were headed in the same direction. Both physically and spiritually, they were doomed to this in this life, and then also the life to come. But we're going to look at some things here that I hope will be a help to you. Start there in verse number two. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as to about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now this is this is exciting because Jesus Christ. This is the word. Jesus Christ is the word. And so we have Jesus had a group of people. He was meeting in a house. And this house was full to the brim. It was full of people. And Jesus didn't say, all right, let's go and have a picnic. And we'll play some games afterwards. No, Jesus said, the Bible says that Jesus preached the word unto them. Jesus knew the importance of when a group of people are together, that these people, many of them were lost. Jesus, if anybody knew, would have known that there would have been people there that were lost. And they needed to hear, not some encouraging little devotion from Joyce Meyer, but they needed to hear the Word of God. They needed to hear Bible preaching. And that's what happened this morning, Uh, in, in, in in this story here. That people were gathered together and Jesus preached unto them the Word of God. You know, you think about this. What would our world be like without Jesus Christ? What would it be like? Uh, I think very often um, you hear about the political realm. Well, the political realm is a very dark place. And Christians shouldn't have any place in in that political world. We shouldn't try to run for office and vote and things like that. But imagine if you were to take the Christians that are in the political realm out. Man, and there would be no Christian influence, no light in that realm. What would happen? It would get completely dark. We wouldn't even know how dark it would get. Just the evil that would happen. But think about that in the world. Think about if there were no Jesus Christ. There were no uh, birth of the Savior down here on earth. There would be no death and forgiveness of sins offered to us. Think about that. It would be a very bleak place. And in, in these two men's life, they were at a crossroads in their life. They were doomed physically, doomed spiritually, without the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's where they were at. This man, this man of the palsy, was told that he was never going to walk again. I'm sure he spent he spent all of the money that he did have if he got this disease later in life. He spent all the money that he had to try to get some answers, to try to solve his condition that he had, but was given a bleak description that you're going to live like this for the rest of your life. Uh, Gary, um, in our story here, he had no hope for his future. Again, a life of drugs, a life of immorality, a, li- a life of sin. had no hope. Uh, he was going to live just the way that his, his, his father has, had lived. An alcoholic, leaving his family. That's the way that he was headed. That was the direction that these two men were going. But let's look at some things here. Um, you know, again, we we're talking about Jesus Christ. Um, if you're taking notes, number one is Jesus can help anybody. Right. Jesus can help anybody. The two factors, that, the factor that we see in the similarities between these two stories is Jesus Christ is being preached. So let's look at some things here. Number two, most people who need Jesus will not go to him on their own. Look at verse number three, if you will. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, what? Which was born of four. That was not, he did not, was birthed in four different people. But it was four people that carried him. Where? To Jesus Christ. Many people that need Jesus in this world do not know that they need Jesus Christ. And guess what? That's where we come in. Imagine, look at this story here. They brought him unto Jesus. I've never been one to ask for help. I'm one, my wife knows, uh, that if, if it's, if, if, if a job needs to get done, I'm gonna try my hardest, break a couple of bones, and then I'll say, I'll have to make that phone call. Hey, can you come over and help me? i do not really, uh, you know, and I don't like asking for help. Um, but we had Devin, Devin came over, we, we, we got our house and it didn't have a playground, and so the kids, I didn't have anything to do. I guess they needed something to play on. And uh, so we got a playground, and uh, we got it all loaded up. Of course, I bought it used. Uh, I'm not going to buy a brand new playground. Those things are expensive. Uh, but we bought it used off a of Facebook marketplace, and I used two trailers and a truck, and we loaded that thing, and we brought it over to my house. Uh, but it was very heavy. And I know, contrary to what you see here, I'm not a very strong person. And uh, so I could not do it by myself. And uh, so, of course, I called the next strongest man that I knew. I called Devin. And uh, many of you know who Devin is anyway. But uh, but me and Devin, we were sitting there, and we tried to load this playground up. And we got the initial piece down um, very carefully. Praise the Lord, we got it down. But there was a piece. It had two legs, and it had the, the, the little area that the kids would sit on before they went to slide. And uh, so it was very top-heavy, and you had two long legs. And so me and Devin, we're like, all right, we got this. We're men. We can carry this. And uh, we both grab it, uh, the end of it, and we start to push it up, and it keeps sliding down, and it starts to fall. And I just jump out of the way, and I'm like, every man for himself. I'm sorry, Devin. And uh, praise the Lord it missed him. Praise the Lord for that, because uh, I'd had to take him to the hospital or something. But, uh, but I'm not one to ask for help. But you know what? There are times in my life where I really needed help, and I should have asked for help. It's the same thing in this story here. The people that need Jesus Christ the most are not going to be the ones that are standing at the church door ready for, uh, ready for church to open. No, they are the people that as Jesus Christ showed us in his ministry, he came out to those fishers that were, they were busy doing their work and he said, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What happened? Jesus went to them. Jesus came to us down here on earth. Why? Because we wouldn't go to him on our own. The Bible says that all men are gone away. Uh, We are all we are together becoming profitable. Nobody seeks Jesus on their own. We have to bring people to Jesus. Jesus has brought Himself to us. So again, the first thing is Jesus can help everybody. The second thing is the people that need Jesus most will not go to Him on their own. This man of the, the that was sick of the palsy, he had to have four men carry him. Now, if you will try to imagine in your 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 mind, you being that man of the palsy. And here, this, the, these four friends of his, or four neighbors, or whoever they were, we don't know. But they say, hey, there's a preacher in town, and we want you to hear him. Imagine, well, I don't want to hear nobody. I'm just going to sit here and, and beg for money, or whatever he was going to do that day. I don't want you to take me anywhere else. I, I'm just going to stay here. But they, they had to insist. I'm sure there was an insisting that had to happen. And they're like, no, you've got to come. We've got to take you to this Jesus. We've got to take you to this preacher. Man, we've heard him before. And it's amazing what he's preaching about. We've got to take you to hear him. And I've, there was probably a back and forth, but that man eventually did. Um, I don't know if he put up a fight or not, but he did eventually go with those four men to Jesus Christ. Um, Gary, in our story, when he was, uh, again, living this life of sin in high school, but when he was 18 years old, um, he was, he was graduated high school at this point. He was 18 years old and he was still living at home. But his mother had dis- divorced his stepdad and remarried his, his, his biological father. And so they were brought back together, but the, the condition was for their marriage to work out. She said, we are going to do things right and we are going to stay in church. And so that's what happened. Um, uh, Gary's father got saved and he started living right and eventually they got married again. Uh, left when Gary was 18 months and they remarried when he was 18 years. And uh, they were brought back together. But Gary did not want anything to do with church. Um, again, living the life he was, he didn't want anywhere near, he wouldn't, wouldn't, didn't want to go anywhere near church. But here's the thing, his parents said, you're going to live under our house, our roof, you're going to church. They had He had parents that stood up for what they believed in. They said, hey, you're taking our electricity. You're using our washing machine. Your mom's still doing your laundry. You're going to go to church when it comes to church on Sunday. Amen. And so he had parents that were strong and said, hey, things are, that's not going to happen. I can't control what you do outside of this house. But as long as you're here in my house, you are going to go to church. They were, he had parents that were strong. Aren't you glad that you've had people in your life just like those four people carried that man of the palsy, aren't you glad that you had somebody in your life that cared enough about you to tell you about the gospel? Everybody in here heard the gospel from somebody. We didn't just uh, you know, be born with this divine knowledge. We all had to hear it from somebody. And aren't we glad that somebody said, I'm going to go out of my way and preach the gospel to somebody. I'm going to be a witness of God's power to somebody today. Aren't we glad for that? This man of the palsy had no hope. But four men said, hey, we want to take you to a man. This man, Gary's parents, said, hey, you know what? As long as you're living in our house, we are going to take you to church. You're going to go to church with us. But here's some things. Look down to verse number four. Verse number four says this. The men, uh, verse number three, they brought the man that had the palsy. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, unto him would be Jesus, they uncovered the roof where he was at, where he was. Now here's the thing, there was an obstacle that came into place. Verse number four, There they could not come nigh unto him for the press. Uh, this was actually when the press was covering good things, okay? But uh, no, <laughs> this house was packed so full of people that it was not even standing room. It was, it was, the doors were closed. Nobody else could get into this house. But these four people were brought into an obstacle. They brought this man, this man of the palsy, we want you to hear Jesus. They get to the meeting place and they can't even get in. They can't even get in because it's so packed full of people. There was an obstacle that came into place here. Um, Gary, again, I told you his parents made him go to church. But he knew the system. He knew what he was supposed to do. So what he did is he would go out on Friday night and he would party. He'd go out on Saturday night and he'd party. And he'd be so drunk when it came to Sunday, he didn't know what was going on at all. He'd be so high and hungover, he didn't even know what was going on. And there was an obstacle that was that was brought into the place of Gary going to see Jesus Christ. There was an obstacle with this man of the palsy that was being brought to Jesus Christ. You know what? I've found that there are obstacles. If there's anything worth getting, there's going to be an obstacle. There's going to be difficulty in getting that. Um, it, uh, so, you know, when, when I was, uh, let me see, uh, yes, when I was a kid, me and my brothers, we would play, uh, we would play fear factor. And what we would do is we would have this gigantic obstacle course, and we say, all right, you got to jump over this tree, you got to run into that fence as hard as you can, and then try to climb it, and then you got to run over here to the pool, and you got to do this, and we would come up with all these obstacles uh, to finish the course. Uh, now, of course, I had two younger brothers, I had to be the fastest one, and so, of course, I I made sure that we we set the obstacle course up in a way that things were just a little bit too tall for my shorter brothers to make it over. I'm I'm not stupid, all right. Uh, but there were obstacles that were brought before this man of the palsy. There were obstacles that was brought for this man named Gary. There were there's always going to be obstacles keeping people from Jesus Christ. Why? Because the devil doesn't want it to be an easy road. The devil doesn't want it to be where, where it is, where Jesus Christ has died for everybody and freely given himself. Well, the devil doesn't want that to be the case. So the Bible says that, that God is not the author of confusion. So that makes who the author of confusion? Satan, the devil. And the devil is going to try anything and everything in his power to keep people from Jesus Christ. He's going to bring obstacles in people's way. There was a, there was people that were supposed to come today, but guess what? The obstacle of rain kept them from coming to church. The obstacle of maybe pain kept somebody from coming to church today. The obstacle of maybe too far of a drive or maybe something that happened that kept this, the, those people from hearing the, the gospel. Now when 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 we have some obstacles that come up in our life when we're trying to bring people to Jesus Christ i don't know about you but i get nervous i've been uh, going soul winning ever since i was a little tyke my parents would take me in a stroller and i'd hold on a track i didn't know what i was doing i'd eat on it half the time but i'd hold out a track and i would give it to people i've been going soul winning for a long time but you know what happened yesterday we were going out soul winning and i go to knock on that first door and i had i had my son with me and man Oh, okay, nobody's here. Let's go to the next one. And I was nervous. And we get nervous sometimes. Uh, why? Because it's not something natural. Soul winning is, a, is the, probably the most unnatural thing that God wants us to do as Christians. He wants us to go tell somebody that we've never met about somebody that we've never met. You know what I'm saying? We're telling, telling them about Jesus Christ who I've never seen before. Now, but, but sometimes we get nervous. And we let our fear keep us from bringing people to Jesus Christ. There are some obstacles that get put in the way. Sometimes the weather's too bad. Well, I don't know. The weather's just not what it's supposed to be. I've got that, that left knee that bothers me every time the, the weather the, the weather changes by two degrees, and I just can't do it today. And but some other excuses that we have. You know, I don't really know what to say. If somebody asks me um, from my coworkers, hey, you know, why, why do you go to church? Why why do you know about? Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Because my preacher said so, all right? Um, we don't know what to say sometimes. Sometimes we get nervous. Sometimes, um, you know, we, we make up excuses in our mind. Some things that aren't necessarily an obstacle, but in our mind we create these obstacles. Because we, But I'm letting you know this. There are going to be obstacles in bringing people to Jesus Christ. We have to know that. But look at verse number 4. And when they could not come nigh unto the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they have broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. I tell you, there are going to be obstacles in our life to keep people from Jesus Christ. There are going to be obstacles that will keep us from getting to Jesus Christ. But God always has a way around those obstacles. He will always uh, make a way for people to get saved. The Bible says this, that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. You don't think that there's anybody on earth that would be that would be more excited about somebody getting saved than Jesus Christ. He wants it more than that person wants to be saved. But here's the thing. We let those obstacles keep us from bringing people. But you know what? God says, hey, I've got a way around those obstacles. I have a way that you can go that will get you through those obstacles or around those circumstances. God always has a way. Uh, there was a man, a very wealthy man, and uh, he he had a big big giant house. He invited a bunch of his friends over, and uh, he said, "All right, I, I, um, I've got this pond, and I really like I like alligators, and so I want to show you my big giant pond with alligators." And uh, so of course the people are looking out there as, as far away as they can, and they're looking at these alligators. He's got he's got hundreds of alligators in this pond here, and he said, "I just really enjoy studying these alligators, and I've got a, I've got a, a wager for you." If anybody can swim across this pond, I will give you $1 million. Now, that's a lot of money, okay? And it would be tempting, but nobody moved. And, of course, they're a little bit smarter than that. Nobody moved. He said, I've got a $1 million that I'll give you if somebody can swim across this pond to the other side. Nobody did anything. Nobody moved. He said, all right, I'm going to up it up to $2 million. I will give $2 million to the person that can swim across this pond full of alligators. And by, as soon as he said the $2 million, there was a man that, was, that jumped into the lake. And he swam as fast as he could across that lake. And he swam, touched the other side, and he swam himself all the way back. And the man came to me, and said, Wow, I've never had anybody take me up on my offer. Why did you do this? Why? why did, you, did you really need the money that bad? And he said, I got pushed. Okay, so uh, <laughs> my wife pushed me in. That's exactly <laughs> what it would be. But here's the thing. There are going to be obstacles, but God will give us a way around those obstacles. God will make a way. Um, How many obstacles do we face that we just need a little bit more gumption? We need a little bit more uh, grit uh, grit in our saddle. We need a little bit more gumption to get going. God says, hey, I want to see how bad you want this. I want to see people saved. But is a little rain going to keep you from going out? Is, is, Is a little nervous, a little fear going to keep you from sharing God's Word? Man, we just need a little bit more gumption. God will make a way around it. We just gotta ask him for that. Um, when when uh we've learned some things as parents, um, things to do and a lot of things not to do, okay? And I remember when when our first daughter she was just getting old enough to walk. I think she was 18 months old, and she hadn't walked yet. She had this scooting thing down, and that was it. I'm like, all right, I'm tired of carrying you, okay? You gotta learn how to walk. You know, as much as you can, you know, conversate with your, your 18-month-old kid. And I said, you got to learn how to walk. we got to get you walking. And it wasn't necessarily that she didn't know how to walk. She was just too scared to walk. And so I'm like, all right, honey, i got an idea. And so what we did is I bought a peppermint patty, and I broke that peppermint patty in half, and I tied it on a string, and I tied that string to our ceiling fan in the living room. And I hung that peppermint patty just low enough to where she could see it, but just high enough to where she couldn't reach it while sitting on the floor. And, uh, I've learned that's not the best way to teach your kid how to stand. <laughs> but, uh, but if, you know, there are some circumstances that will happen in her life. And if we just, all she needed to do was just stand up and she would have had that peppermint patty. And I've got a video of her just crying for 18 minutes straight. No, I didn't, it wasn't that long. But, uh, but her crying eventually, of course, I don't know what it is. We, I talked to Ms. Myers about this. You know, when my son cries, it's like, all right, dry it up. Let's get this going. But I man, when those girls start crying, I don't know what to do. I just melt, and I'm like, all right, what do you want? Okay, here, we'll give it to you. i, I got to work on that. i got to be a little bit more stiffer. But, uh, but she started crying, of course. I gave her the peppermint patty. But there are going to be some circumstances that happen in our life, and we just need to put in forth that little bit of effort. To say, God, you know what? There are some trials. There are some obstacles in keeping me from telling somebody about Jesus. Telling somebody about you. But God, I want to push through those. Because you will give me strength. You will help me through that. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Here's the thing. God honors faith. Number five. God honors faith. we got two more. You're doing great here. But God honors faith. Look at Mark chapter 2 and verse number 5. And when Jesus saw what? What's the next two words? Their faith. Now, does the Bible say that he saw the palsy man's faith? No. What does he say? In verse number 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Here's the thing. God honored not the faith of the palsy man, because that palsy man was discouraged. That palsy man was defeated. The palsy man didn't know what he needed, but those men knew that he needed to get to Jesus Christ. And so this man of the palsy, um, he, he was not saved because of his, uh, yes, of course, his own faith in Jesus Christ. But he was brought there because of the faith of somebody else. The faith, somebody said, you know what, I've got faith. I, I know that God can do something in your life. I know it. We live today in a world of, of, where we don't think God has power anymore. We don't think God has power to change life. We don't think that God has power to do a miracle in somebody. We look at somebody and, well, they're just too far gone. No, nobody is too far gone for Jesus Christ. There is not a place low enough for God to reach down His love for us. God loves everybody and He wants people to go to heaven. And so He says, hey, I've called you Christians, not just to get saved and vanish out of here straight to heaven. No, I've called you to stay and to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God is looking at not the the world's faith. He's looking for us as Christians to have faith that God can do a miracle. That God can do a work in someone's life. This man of the palsy, he had friends of faith. He had friends that said, you know what, I know it looks bleak. I know that your situation seems like there's no way, that you need a miracle in your life. But here's the thing, I know God can do something in your life. Those men had faith that Jesus Christ was going to do something in that man's life. That's why they went through those obstacles. That's why they went through those trials, so that that way they could they could give their friend the opportunity to get near Jesus Christ. Uh, Gary had parents that said, Hey, I'm not going to let you stay home. When it's church time, you're here. I don't care if you're drunk and we have to walk you into the services. We are going to go to church together. Here's the thing. One Saturday, this Gary was sick. Sick to the point of throwing up. Sick to the point he couldn't get out of bed. And he was sick all day Saturday night. So guess what? He didn't go out partying. And so when Sunday morning rolled around, the sickness that he had that kept him in bed went away. He didn't have it anymore. It was gone. And so his parents said, "All right, guess what? It's Sunday morning. Let's go to church. And that was the first time that he went to church Sober. That was the first time he went to church and he didn't, he was not in a a haze of what went on the night before. He went to church sober minded and he went to church and heard the gospel preached. And that Sunday, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Gary's life was changed because he had parents that had faith. This man, notice what it says in verse number 5. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus Christ gave this man what he ultimately needed. Not physical health, but he gave this man spiritual life. In Jesus Christ, Gary needed spiritual life more than he did. He needed his life to be cleaned up, and so God said, "Hey, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna make you sick on a Saturday night, so you're here in church on Sunday morning because there's a message that you need to hear." This man of the palsy, yes, in his mind, he wanted to walk again, but what he really, truly needed, he needed a miracle in his spiritual life. He needed to be quickened. He needed to be made alive to be uh, to to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's what he really needed. And Jesus knew that. That what has and what will always be the reason that there are not more people saved is because we do not have the faith that is necessary. We don't say, God, I'm going to go. I don't like talking to people. If it was up to me, I wouldn't be standing up here right now. I'd be over in, in Wyoming somewhere and I got a horse farm or something. A horse farm, horse ranch, whatever it is. I'd be out there. I'd be where I don't have to talk to nobody. But God says, hey, Anthony... I've called you to be an assistant pastor. I've called you to tell people about me. Whew, all right, Lord, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a try. And, and, and God is, is using our lives, not because of who we are, but because He has a job for us to do, and He's just looking for somebody to have faith. He's looking for somebody to go in faith. Verse number 6. Let's read this. We know that God honors faith. We know that the, uh, there will be obstacles, but He'll work around those, looking for us to have faith. But... Let's look at verse number 6. The Bible says this, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they were so reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. Here's the thing. There are always going to be critics. There are going to be critics in your life saying, hey, you know, if, if you get saved, you're trying to live for the Lord, there are going to be friends, some old friends, some, some people in your life that will say, you didn't mean that. Oh, look at you, you messed up again. Man, are you sure you really got this Jesus thing? Yeah, you don't really know about all that stuff. Man, I bet you your church asks you for money, don't they? I bet you your church wants you to be there three times a week, don't they? Man, you got, uh, this is a bunch of crazy stuff. There will always be critics of success. When God is working in people's life, you see it all throughout Scripture. Well, how? who are you to say that you can forgive somebody's sins? Well of course they weren't man enough to say it to God himself they were saying it to the people around them and Jesus of course being Jesus read their minds and said look I know what you're reasoning look I am the son of man I I'm coming power and glory I can, you know it's easier for me what is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say hey rise up and walk to God the miracle the more important miracle was that the man get his sins forgiven not the walking was not necessarily the focus of Jesus Christ. The focus was, I want to see this man saved. And so here's the thing. There will always be critics. D.L. Moody, um, a great, uh, great evangelist of yesteryear, um, he, he would go across. He, he shook two continents for Christ. And uh, the, one time after a meeting, he had it in the paper about how, many, how the meeting went, how many people got saved. And he was in the barber shop, and the mayor of the city came, and he was he was reading the paper and didn't know that Dio Moody was in the in the barber shop with him. And that mayor looked at the paper and said, "Ha! How does he know that all of those kids got saved? Man, those kids those ki- kids can't get saved." He was being a critic, and then uh, the the barber said, "Do you know Dio Moody is sitting right over here?" And of course, he shaped up a little bit, and he said, "Well, how do you know that all of those kids got saved?" And Dio Moody says, "I don't." But every child that believed, they got saved. And you know, the, the point of it is, it's it's not us or what we do or what our knowledge can come up with. Jesus Christ is the one that saves sins. Jesus Christ is the one that sends people to heaven when they die. It, don't listen to the to the naysayers. Don't listen to the critics when they try to negate what God's doing in your life. You cannot argue with a changed life. If God has done something in your life, nobody can argue with that. Well, I used to smoke. Okay, well, why don't you do it anymore? Well, God took that away from me. God took that desire away from me. I don't do that anymore. I used to drink. God took that desire away from me. Well, they can't argue with that. Well, that wasn't God. That was that was uh, the, 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 the triple, not triple A, double A. Uh, that was the double A that did that. They, the Alcoholics Anonymous. No, that was Jesus Christ that took that away from me. They can't argue with the changed life. But there will always be critics. The palsy man had the scribes. Gary had his friends. His friends, of course, he got saved from church. And uh, uh, right then his life had been changed. There had been a working in his life. And he tried to do things differently. But his friends that he used to hang out with, they didn't want anything to do with anymore. Oh, you're one of those holy rollers now. You got Jesus, didn't you? You got religion. And they, they criticized. They mocked him. And that's what happened here with Gary. The main point was not that the sick of the palsy was getting healed. It was that he got saved. Um, Let's look at the last thing here. We'll be finished. Mark, look down at verse number 11. This is Jesus. He's saying it to the sick of the palsy. He says, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying we never saw it on this fashion. The difference between religion and Christianity is Christ. We are not a religion. This is not a Baptist religion. This is Christianity. We are trying our best to follow the commandments, follow the Word of God, the best that we can. Are we perfect? No. Do we make mistakes on a daily basis? Yes. But here's the thing: I'm not following a list of religion rules, arbitrary list somewhere. I'm following what Jesus Christ told me to do. I'm trying the best that I can to live for Jesus Christ. And God says this to this sick of the palsy: Your sins are forgiven. But now, take up your bed and walk. There was a change, a miraculous change that happened not only spiritually, but physically in this man's life. Um, the, the difference between religion, uh, somebody that follows religion, well, guess what? They're just like these Pharisees. Well, they have everything together. They know how to keep their tie. They know how to keep their hair just in the right spot if they had hair. Um, they They know how to walk the certain way and talk the certain way. But the Bible says that Jesus speaking to these Pharisees, He says you're like whitewashed tombs. You know, the outside looks good, it looks beautiful, but guess what? The inside, you're full of dead men's bones. There's death inside. And there is death inside. Even the people that follow religion to the, uh, to the best that they can, guess what? They, are, they look great on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of death. And Jesus Christ works from the inside out. Religion works from the outside in, and they never can clean the inside of their hearts because we're, we're desperately wicked. But God will bring a change in people's life. Um, this man that was sick of the palsy, his life was never the same. Why? Both physically, he was able to walk. He took up his bed. He walked away himself, but then also spiritually because when he died, which eventually he would, he would die and go straight to be with Jesus Christ himself. There was a change that happened both physically and... And spiritually, Gary um, got saved on a Sunday morning. He told the preacher. The preacher said, "Hey, praise the Lord, you got saved. Are you going to come tonight to church?" And Gary said, "Oh no, I can't come tonight. I got to work." Is what he told the preacher. But really, in his pocket, he had he had ticket to the Motley Crew concert that night. And so he goes to the Motley Crew. I don't know who they are, so I'm, it's not an endorsement by any means. But he goes to that Motley Crew concert that night instead of church. This is just, this is within several hours. And he's at that Motley Crue concert and the weed starts getting passed around. The, the, the drugs start getting passed around. And you know what? He said, this does not appeal to me anymore. I don't want this stuff. And he left right away. That is something that religion can never do. That is something that only Jesus Christ himself can do. Jesus Christ did a work In Gary's life. Yes, spiritually awakened him. Awakened his spirit in Jesus Christ. But also created a new creature in in Gary. Here's the thing. The Bible says 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Imagine the story of this man of the palsy. Coming home to people that he's met before. That saw him just, just a couple hours ago. Laying down and begging for money. And now is up walking, carrying his bed with him. Imagine Gary going to that concert. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you know that that's wrong. You know you shouldn't have that. And there was a change that went on spiritually and physically in these men's lives. The man of the palsy, his life was never the same. He got to he got to walk for the rest of his life. He got to, to, to again, experience heaven when he died. Same thing happened with Gary. Uh, when uh, when Gary is still alive here, but the Gary in our story, he got his life right with God. Uh, he eventually he eventually went off to Bible college uh, there in Irving, Texas. He went to Bible college, and uh, in Bible college, his parents were trying to support him, trying to give money for him to go to college, uh, but it just didn't work out, and they were struggling financially. And he overheard them, and so he decided to join the U.S. Army. He joined the army and he went down from Irving, Texas thinking he was going to see the world. And they sent him down to Fort Hood, Texas. And uh, he went down to Fort Hood, Texas and he was there. And while he was there, he was, uh, you know, again, new Christian. I mean, within a couple years as a new Christian. And he was looking for a church. A preacher came by and said, hey, do you have a church that you're going to? Well, no, I don't have a church. Well, you should come with us. And we have a single soldiers ministry. And what that was, they would use the young ladies in the church to go through the barracks of the army and they would recruit guys to come to church with them. That's how it worked. And uh, that's where my mom, uh, my mom and dad met each other, was there in those barracks. My mom was a part of that single soldier's ministry. And my dad was that Gary that we've spoken about. Gary went on later, my dad went on further to, be, to go to finish Bible college in Texas. He went to Bible college while raising us three punks, alright, us three kids. And he raised us while working a full-time job, while having us, and while going to Bible college. And that was my father. My father was a life that was changed. He served the Lord and eventually moved to Mesquite, Texas, where he finished Bible college. Then he helped start a church in Clarksville, Arkansas. After Clarksville, Arkansas, he moved and he started his own church down in Houston, Texas. And he was there for a couple years. And then he moved up to Tennessee, and he was a pastor in Tennessee for five years. That man is my father. And I have a question for you. Is it worth it? Is it worth it for us when these excuses come in our mind? Well, I'm just too tired to go tell somebody. You know, I I see that cashier in Walmart every time I go to pay. And I say hi and I'm friendly to her. But I, I can't give her the gospel. Then she'll think I'm one of those guys. Is it worth it for you to give out the gospel? Is it worth it for you to pray for somebody for salvation? Is it worth it for you to live as a Christian for somebody else? Is it worth it for you to bring somebody to Jesus Christ? How urgent is it for us to bring someone to Jesus Christ? The Bible says this in Luke 10 too, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. This is Jesus giving us a prayer request to pray for um, laborers. How many times do we pass by a co-worker or a relative or a family member and we say, well, somebody else will tell them. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm just not comfortable talking about that right now. How many times do we have an excuse that comes up in our mind when the Holy Spirit says, Hey, I want you to talk to them. Why don't you leave a track on the, on the cash register when you, when you head out? It doesn't take much, but we're, we're living in faith saying, God, I don't know what this person's going to do in their life. I don't know how you're going to work, but God, I'm going to do my part. I want to have faith that you're going to do something and I want to be willing for you to use me. Bring your family, bring your kids, bring your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, bring somebody to church. Bring somebody to Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need Christians that are that uh, that are tolerant. And they're like, well, you go, you be you, and I'll be me. No, the world needs Christians that are going to stand up and say, somebody needs Jesus Christ today. Lord, would you use me to talk to somebody? Lord, would you use me to pray for somebody? God, I want to do something for you. Is it not worth it? Is it not worth it for for Gary's parents to force him to go to church? My, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here. I will be honest with you. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. There are lives out there that will be changed forever from us just obeying God. God doesn't ask for you to have some great measure of faith, where you can pray down fire from heaven. He just wants you to have a little bit of faith and say, God, I, I can't talk to people. God, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm if I if I know the Bible. I don't know the Bible from front to back. I don't know if I'm able to tell somebody about you. Well, guess what? God says, hey, you give me your little bit of faith, and I will work great and mighty wonders. Here's the thing. You have a choice to be used by God. Imagine what the church would be like if we all said, God, what do you want me to do today? God, who do you want me to be an encouragement to today? God, I'm I'm going to... You know who the the person that passes out tracts, you know who that person is? It's the person that carries tracks." You can't say, oh man, I go to that church. Oh, I don't know the address off the top of my head. Um, but you just go down oh, right now and you'll find it eventually. No, if we have some tracks, we're ready to give the gospel. We say, hey, I, you know, I don't really know the whole Bible from back to uh, front to back. But here's the thing. This is what happened to me. When I was a six-year-old boy, the preacher was preaching on hell. And I came down to the front and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Don't you want to do the same? Man, we have a testimony that God has given us. We need to be used by God. If we're not going to pray for the lost who will? If we're not going to witness for the lost, who will? If we're not going to take time to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ and bring them to Him, who is going to do it? The lost world isn't going to pray that somebody gets saved. It's our job. God says it's your job. This man's life was changed forever because somebody cared enough to give him an opportunity to go see Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads.